Hello and welcome to Brought to You. My name is Zachary Brought. I'm a political science and urban planning student at UC San Diego. Um, this is a podcast about politics, the news, um, basically whatever. Uh, today I am joined by Ming Lu. Hello. Uh, he's a colleague of mine at UCSD. He's studying electrical engineering. Did you like that pun? Me and get it. The name of the show is based yeah, on yeah. Brought to you. My name. That sounds pretty good. You're I not part of this. You're only here sometimes. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> so let's get right into it, Ming. Uh, today, as we're recording this, is the 22nd day of the partial federal government shutdown. Uh, today's Saturday, January 12th, as we're recording this. As of today, it is now the longest shutdown in U.S. history since uh, the budget started working the way it does now with Congress uh, appropriating funds for each of the departments. Um, right now, over 800,000 federal employees are either furloughed, uh, meaning they're not going to work and they're not getting paid, or they are being forced to work without pay, and that is essential staff, such as TSA, uh, Border Patrol, uh, air traffic controllers that work at airports, things like that. And as of yesterday, Friday the 11th of January, uh, they missed their first paycheck of the shutdown. Um, what do we think about this, Ming? Uh, I hear they're turning off the sun in a few days. Um, then goes the atmosphere and then the oceans. Well, obviously it's not ideal. Um, it's it's pretty terrible for everyone involved. Uh, yeah. Uh, those 800,000 federal employees, those are actually just the people who actually work for the federal government. There's hundreds of thousands more uh, people who are contract workers. Right. And they have it even worse because just yesterday before mm -hmm. uh, they adjourned, Congress passed a bill to um, almost unanimously. Yeah, to repay uh, federal workers yeah, after the shutdown ends. Exactly. So when the shutdown ends, they'll all get back pay for the time that they missed. But that does not apply to contract workers. <laughs> so they're now out three weeks of, okay, basically. of their job, of their pay. And a lot of these people live paycheck to paycheck. It really sucks for these people, and I couldn't imagine having to go through that. Um, I read a story about um, some pris uh, some prison workers. They didn't get; they were living paycheck to paycheck, and they couldn't afford to get meals. But then, since the federal prison system still has money, they were watching all the prisoners still eat. So it was kind of like ironic. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's a very good point. Um, so when we look at this shutdown. Uh, we want to try to assign blame all the time, of course, because politics is a game and is not taken seriously in America. Um, so who's causing the shutdown, Ming? Damn, uh, Donald Trump. Yeah, that's true. It's not Democrats. Uh, this is Donald Trump's fault <laughs> through and through, uh, multiple times throughout this process. Uh, congressional Democrats in the 115th and 116th Congress have offered, uh, deals to Trump to continue funding border security at the levels that it has been for the past uh, year or two. Um, and can I add, by the way, that border crossings and undocumented crossings in general have just like decreased overall. In True. The past They're at a record low for the past a long time. Yeah. So it's not even like a big deal at all right now compared to how much he's hyping it up. Correct. Like, he's acting like we have the me entire Mexican army just coming in. Seriously. Um, and a lot of it's just to deliver on his rhetoric to his voters mm -hmm. um, because he told them he was going to build a wall and now he wants to build a wall. So he's forcing the Democrats to give him money for it. And the Democrats, thank God, are 
not budging. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. It sounds so nice to say that, by the way. Speaker Pelosi. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, after four years of the incompetent Paul Ryan, we finally have someone who knows what they're doing and is probably one of the greatest legislators of her time. Uh, Anyway, Speaker Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer are holding firm, at least for right now. Right. You'd have to be an idiot to uh, buckle now after you won a House election by a pretty good margin and only losing the Senate. Exactly. That, that was the best case scenario. Exactly. Democrats won over 40 seats in the House. Uh, Trump tried to downplay how, how good they were doing. Uh, they did not win every single seat in the House. Exactly. they are exactly. terrible. Um, I remember back at that first meeting that Trump had with, with the Democrats, uh, he tried to downplay... Uh, the power that Nancy Pelosi had uh, and she called him out because she does. She just led the house Democrats to a major victory uh, back in November. And uh, she now holds a lot of power, especially as speaker of the house, obviously. Um, So Pelosi and Schumer are telling Trump, no, we're not going to give you money for your wall, uh, which also on the wall. It's now basically like three pieces of cardboard stuck together. That's how it's like, exactly. We went from 20-foot concrete wall to <laughs> we're going to have a wall that you can see through, um, but, but now, you can't do that with concrete. Now it's literally just, seems to be poles that are just half a foot apart. Yes, it's steel slats, as Donald Trump likes to call it, because he thinks that makes him sound like cool and tough. Slats. Um, it's literally just like bollards, you know, like the things that they put on the street so that cars don't run onto the sidewalk. Just that, but closer together and taller. Um and he says he's going to use American steel, but, like, he said that before. <laughs> and His hats are made in America. Do you know that? Just kidding. What would you say? His hats are all made in America? His hats are not all made in America. Yeah. I, I know that's the joke, but, like... Maybe he can subcontract the wall to Mexico and make them pay for it, too. Maybe he can, except he said he was going to do that, and now he's making America pay for the wall. Um, so... The really interesting thing about the congressional, the congressional side of this is that... Back in the 115th Congress in December, um, the House and Senate both passed a bill. The Senate passed it unanimously 100 to 0 uh, to fund the government, uh, provide appropriations for border security, etc. without wall money. And Trump said initially that he was going to sign that bill. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he did it passed Congress, both House of Congress, like overwhelmingly. And Trump refused to sign it. He vetoed the bill. Um, and so now, uh, Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, who holds a lot of power in the United States politics, um, is refusing to bring any bills to the floor of the Senate that would open the government because he says Trump will not so sign them. basically what you're saying was everyone is fully prepared to open the government with no wall. Trump said, yeah, I'll do it. And then he went back at the last minute and now they're trying to scramble to make it look like they planned this the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so... The thing is, Congress and the presidency are two co-equal branches of government. They both hold the same amount of power. And if you can pass a bill 100 to 0, uh, you did not change 34 of your members in the past week who would all vote no. You have veto power. So even if Trump wants to veto this bill, you could still pass the bill. Trump vetoes it you can override the veto, open the government, and pay these 800,000 workers and get everything back to normal. But this just shows that the dismal state that the modern Republican Party is in, they've ceded 
all their power and their entire image to Donald Trump. Basically, Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell probably knows that most people don't pay that close attention, so they they probably didn't know that it was unanimous to reopen. They just think, oh, it's some like controversial thing to reopen or not. But no, it was basically a done deal until Trump said, hey, I'm going to hold out for this. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then Mitch McConnell made an executive decision as um, House, uh, sorry, Senate Speaker to basically hold everyone hostage. And now everyone has to follow him. Essentially, yes. Um, so in response to that, uh, Democrats in the Senate uh, said that they are going to hold up any uh, legislation non. in the Senate that does not uh, pertain to reopening the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as 41 Democrats do that, they can filibuster any bill. Um, do, do you think that's, uh, not do you think that's very likely, 41 Democrats? Um, I think they have kind of said that they're going to do that. Um, and from what I've seen so far, there has not been any defectors. Uh, anything else that's been happening in the Senate. Um, so it sure seems like it's working at least fairly well. And um, when I say they're not bringing any other bills to the floor of the Senate, they could bring the bills that uh, House Democrats passed with the support of some Republicans uh, just passed this past week uh, to reopen the government. Uh, they passed a series of about six uh, single agency appropriation bills. So these would be bills that uh, appropriate funds for specific agencies of the government uh, one at a time. And this uh, just I saw... I read about this when it was hap- when uh, it was announced, and just to, I was in awe. This is master level politics <laughs> by Nancy Pelosi. This just shows you what an amazing legislator is. Um, obviously, I don't agree with her on all of her policies, but she is a masterful legislator. Uh, Nancy Pelosi here is forcing the Republicans to say over and over again that they do not want to fund any part of the government. It makes them look completely insane and unreasonable exactly. which is very smart and uh and if they happen to open some parts of the government it weakens donald trump's stance exactly every time one of these bills passes it weakens donald trump every time one of them refuses to be taken up in the senate by mitch mcconnell it also weakens mitch it mcconnell weakens congressional republican stance and so this is a lose-lose for the republicans here and it's going to be really interesting to see how long it takes for um, for anyone to come to their senses in this in this issue. Um, so that's where we're at right now. It seems to be at sort of an impasse since you know Mitch McConnell is kowtowing to Trump and Trump does not want to um, pass anything that doesn't include money for his vanity project, which I mean, again Trump's, is not a thing. Trump's mo has already has always been just dig in and just waited out which somehow manages to work some of the time but i feel like in this instance when people aren't going with paychecks when they're literally not being paid for work they're forced to do i think uh he's probably on the losing side of this no matter what happens exactly if you look at the polling um he's been consistently losing this battle um uh, against the congressional democrats um the majority or the plurality of voters in every poll taken since the shutdown started uh blame Donald Trump for the uh, shutdown and the you know the longevity of the shutdown. Um, so that's where he's at. What the only thing that he's looking at right now is declaring a state of emergency, which I didn't realize until I was listening to um, Vox's Today Explained podcast uh, mm-hmm. earlier. And we're actually currently in over thirty states of emergencies, right? Um, but most of these are just uh, like 
glorified um, financial sanctions against foreign nationals. Uh-huh. Uh, but this would allow Trump to theoretically um, build a wall, build a wall, or use the military just, just by saying, "Oh, there's a humanitarian crisis at the southern border." Exactly, which which he caused again is not is not exa- not represented in the situation. Um, border crossings, illegal border crossings, are at uh, a low for like decades trends exactly pointed towards like decrease because people don't if you were to come through to america illegally you wouldn't do it through the border anyways so all of this is just semantic exactly that's the thing that um is really obvious and sometimes gets discussed on you know uh cable news etc um but the vast majority of um undocumented immigrants in the united states are not people who cross the border illegally they're people who had uh work permits and visas and just to stayed. live in the United States legally and stayed longer than their visas specified and they're just they're still here um so this border wall would do nothing to solve that state of emergency is legally questionable unless this border wall was a uh, was about a mile up and it would block every airplane coming to US airspace it would do very little and would just be a giant waste of time money and be terrible for America's image so if you're going to build a wall to block airplanes, it has to be about eight miles high. Um, and so that is even less economically feasible than the current uh, proposed barrier between the U.S. and Mexico. Oh, really? And so that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, one last one last thought about this shutdown, Ming, um, and border security and immigration and all of this. Uh, last year, um, just about a year ago, I think it was in February, uh, there was another... Uh, lapse in funding and Congress was debating a continuing resolution to fund parts of the government and congressional Democrats offered Trump uh, over 20 billion dollars in funding that he could use for his wall in exchange for a path to citizenship for recipients of uh, DACA or Dreamers the Deferred Action what for Children. What do you think about that deal by the way? Uh, I thought that I did not like that deal I did not support that deal mm-hmm. uh, I could support a Clean Dream Act I support a path to citizenship for undocumented immigrants. I feel like it's a deal with the devil. I feel like here legally. it's a very, like, oh, look, we got DACA, but I don't think you need to give him a wall for that. Exactly. There's um, a lot more you can negotiate with than just uh, that. Exactly. But there is good news because uh, just in the months after that, um, multiple times courts have struck down Trump's decision to quote, quote unquote, end DACA. Um, and so that is not. Um, really on the table right now uh, of course it's still very pressing very important issue um because there's thousands of young people and their Everyone's families in a limbo state right now in yeah in a state of limbo um but as for right now they seem to have fairly decent protection uh under the rulings that the courts have given and uh on to some smaller news so ruth gator binsberg I- i'm sorry. wait ruth gator binsberg <laughs> Yes, our first crocodile Supreme Court justice. <laughs> Name one decision she's made, Zach. Exactly. I feel like Pete Davidson right now, um, and who's the other guy that did the rap with him on SNL? Anyway, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, everyone's favorite Supreme Court justice. Uh, what does it matter to me? Um, she is cancer-free and recovering. That is great to hear. For those of you who didn't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know this, uh, you know, she is the most important woman in America. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg fell a few weeks ago, broke some ribs. When they were fixing her ribs, they found uh, some lung cancer, but they got rid of it. Yes. 
So that's very good. Modern medicine. Exactly. We love it. Uh, that's why Ming is a STEM major and I'm not. <laughs> um, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her 25, I believe, years on the court, she had never missed oral arguments. She's going to miss oral arguments uh, this week. She missed them last week. Um, but, you know, she had cancer, so we'll give her a pass. Um, hopefully she stays alive for the next few years. Uh, wow, Doc. I'm hoping she stays alive forever. Well, so. of course. Me too. Um, but, but it's just very important yeah, she's that very elderly, but... uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg stays in good health. Uh, she works out all the time. We know that. She is an amazing, wonderful woman. And hopefully uh, she will be back up and running on the Supreme Court uh, very soon. Walking, not running. Yeah, probably not running. That's unrealistic. You're right. Yes. Um, On to the 2020 election. 2020 election, guys. Ooh, it's 2019. And ooh, you know what that time, means. Time to it's start. 2020. Time to start talking about candidates that will immediately fall out of favor within the first three months. Just like everyone, because as soon as there's any attention drawn to you in politics, your favorables go way down the drain. Okay, so we have some news. The first candidate to uh, officially announce their intent to run for president was Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. She announced the formation of her exploratory committee on December 31st with a video on Twitter uh, accompanied by a, an impromptu press conference outside her house uh, right after her and her husband walked out to uh, start walking their dog. Um, <laughs> Ming, what do you think about Elizabeth Warren? Um, she's okay. I feel Somehow I feel like she won't win, though. Yeah, uh, a lot of people, I feel like, have that idea. Uh, I'm not sure... I'm not sure she's, like, she will be easily taken well by... Not even, like, I'm not even talking about the um, the middle or, like, the right. But I feel like she's just not... She doesn't really have a spark of inspiration. She's just, like, very bland. So here we have Ming continuing to reinforce the stereotype that female politicians yes, are inherently cause... unlikable. Um, anyway, I am very excited about this Elizabeth Warren candidacy. I think Arcasio, obviously she's not, but like, she's she, would have, she would have, she's I want someone who's too like, young and she's been in Congress yeah, for zero minutes. I know, but I want someone new. I don't want a bunch of old people running for presidency, even though I know that's how it works. That's true. Uh, she is pretty old. Uh, she was born in 1949. So Elizabeth Warren would be 71, uh, on election day and inauguration day if she were to win. Um, I'm really excited about this candidacy. Um, as you know, Ming, uh, I am very progressive, uh, far left by American standards. Some would say too far. Yeah, lots of people probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have fun here. But Warren came out strong with a message about fighting corruption and protecting the middle class. She talked about her uh, own time growing up in Oklahoma and the way that her mom had to get a minimum wage job to um, keep the family home once their dad died. Um, uh, talking about corruption, Elizabeth Warren, uh, in the last Congress, she actually introduced a sweeping anti-corruption bill uh, targeting things like Antitrust Act uh, that would be more heavily enforced, uh, trying to stop the revolving door between Congress and lobbyists, which she actually talks about a lot um, in her stump speech now. She was in Iowa uh, just a week or two ago. Had several events over a weekend. Uh, really big crowds, not the biggest venues, but they were all packed full, lines outside. Um, really reminiscent, actually, of Bernie Sanders' campaign in 2016, mm -hmm. uh, both in policy and in... Um, enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, yeah, uh, exactly. And so I'm really excited about this candidacy. She really matches my political leanings. Um, so we'll see where this goes. Um, the second major Democrat to get into this race... 
was two days later, on the 2nd of January, Washington State Governor Jay Inslee um, announced the formation of an exploratory committee. Ming, do you know who Jay Inslee is? No, I do not. That is Jay Inslee's problem. Not a lot of people know who he is. Washington is not that big of a state. I think it's a pretty cool state, but it is not that big of a state. Um, uh, He's trying to position himself as the climate change candidate, which... That's literally all the progressive candidates... Yes. Um, Across the board, though. Exactly. The only difference is he's, like, this is, like, his main issue. So, like, Bernie Sanders' main issue in 2016 was, like, economic justice. Right. And Hillary Clinton's main issue in 2016 was... <laughs> Not in Wisconsin and Michigan, I know that. Um, <laughs> was trying to trying to appease everyone while making no one fully happy. Exactly. Um, so, he's trying to put climate change at, like, the front and center of his campaign, which I think is, like... A very important issue. But... A very important idea, and... Uh, like, thank you for doing that, Jay Inslee. It's definitely necessary, but I don't know how much traction it's going to have with the American Less voter. Less farting cows isn't a very attractive com- campaign slogan. I think that we should change to a different candidate because uh, he is not going to go very far. Yeah, I kind of agree with that one. Uh, he doesn't seem to have much, but, you know, primaries can surprise you. He's going to have to get on it, though, because a lot of people are announcing very early. Um, speaking of, just today as we're recording this, Saturday the 12th, Former Housing and Urban Development Secretary uh, Julian Castro, uh, who worked for President Obama, uh, he announced that he is running for president uh, at a rally in his hometown, San Antonio, Texas, where he used to be the mayor. Um, I watched his speech earlier today. He had a big focus on providing opportunity for all Americans who don't necessarily have it now. Uh, It's a pretty generally progressive message. Talked about uh, Medicare for all. Talked about education. Uh, talked about climate change, all of that. Um, the one thing he did spend a lot of time talking about was his uh, universal uh, preschool program that he implemented in the city of San Antonio um, and talks about how he wants to implement that. I think uh, universal preschool isn't a topic that's very commonly brought up when like talking about presidential elections or primaries. But I feel like that will preschool is like pretty important for child development and lots of studies show that like that more than almost anything obviously like if you're in an impoverished area or the school's not very good that's gonna negatively affect your education but preschool really does help a child develop like at a very young age so i think it's like something really worth looking into and uh yeah yeah that's a really good point about how not a lot of people talk about um universal preschool and so i think it's a really good uh message um i like how he's very enthusiastic it seems he had a huge crowd at the rally this morning as it is announcement. Um, everyone seemed very excited about it. Um, so, do you think this is going to go very far? Uh, I think he has a pretty good shot. I um, think he has a better shot than Jay Inslee. Yes. <laughs> Compared to maybe uh, mainstays or heavyweights like Elizabeth Warren, he might have a hard time getting the airtime or the time of day from major um, news outlets. But if he can just stay on message and people like them, then he'll go pretty far. Exactly. Like, look at Bernie. I saw a tweet uh, from Nate Silver Nate Silver at 538 earlier today uh, talking about gauging interest and, you know, uh, enthusiasm behind yes, the candidates engagement. early in the primaries uh, and how it's really important to see who's the most important to see who journalists need to cover. And he talked about uh, the difference between covering Warren a lot because she's a heavyweight versus um, covering Julian Castro still very much other people not so much. One of those other people, not so much, Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard. Do you know who this is, Ming? 
Uh, no, I did not until See, this you is angrily ranted to me a, a few days ago. The problem. This is the problem. A lot of people do not have name recognition among the majority of American people, especially being from Hawaii. It's pretty far away from everything else in the country. Yeah. Both, like, in mind space and geographically. Yeah. So, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, she's young. She calls herself a progressive, and she can make the case for being, like, the cool candidate. And uh, there's one really major issue with her, though, <laughs> that uh, came out a couple years ago. And that is that she uh, actually supports Assad in Syria. So uh, we don't like that. No, we do not. Um, I think uh, maybe that's a slight issue, but, you know, it can be worked around. Just I kidding. don't think it can be worked around. I think that's kind of a deal breaker. That was sarcasm, Zach. Thanks. Yeah, I know. Um, so she's trying to be like the cool young guy. Uh, until, you know, Better Work joins the race. <sighs> anyway, you hear my thoughts about him later. So, she's assigned with, aligned with Syria. Um, she actually, I don't know if you knew this, Ming, but about two years ago, mm-hmm. when the Trump, when Trump was just taking office, uh, she met with him for a potential position as ambassador to the UN. Right. Um. And Nikki Haley ended up getting that. Yeah, now she's not anymore either, because... Administration <laughs> the is turnover is worse than McDonald's. Yeah. It's horrible. So um, I was excited about that when it happened because we didn't know that she was, you know, in she favor of pretty cool. Bashar al-Assad. Yeah. yeah, so she seemed cool at the time. Seemed like and an I was like branch being extended like, hey. Yeah, if we can get like a good progressive voice, moderating voice in the Trump administration anyway, I thought that was going to be a good, good idea. Uh, it didn't happen for her, probably for the best. Well, I mean, it ended up being Nikki Haley anyway, so I don't know if that's the best. But yeah, it's uh not, not not what I'm not not liking this one. Being you're not feeling good about this one. Not feeling this one. Okay, so uh, so so far you're thinking Elizabeth Warren's probably the front runner. Elizabeth Warren is definitely the front runner of the candidates who have announced so far. But there is one more candidate who has a an announcement scheduled or pending uh, for soon, officially, and that is California Senator Kamala Harris. Me? Do you know who Kamala Harris is? Yes, I do. Yes, I live in California. He does, but also because Kamala Harris has a national presence. A lot of people know who Kamala Harris is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2016, and she's had a spot on the Judiciary Committee for most of her time in Congress. Uh, she really got a lot of attention when she was um, questioning uh, Trump appointees such as Jeff Sessions, um, when Jeff Sessions seemed very flustered by her questions, even though he could answer the male senator's questions. Um, and in those same hearings, she was also interrupted by, uh, male senators several times to make truly dumb Are points. you saying that there's a toxic culture of, uh, masculinity in Congress? I'm saying that there might be some sexism in Congress, Ming. I'm not sure. Wow. What a, what a groundbreaking yeah. thesis. Um, so Harris, uh, released a new memoir. It's called The Truths We Hold, I believe, this week. Uh, also a children's book to go along with it. <laughs> And she went on kind of a national tour, um, but not really. She was in New York, D.C., and uh, a few locations in California, because that's her home state. (laughs) Uh, So basically, she left Washington. um, Went to New York, and then came home. Went to New York, and then came back home. But, you know, it's a start. Um, But along with the the book tour, the mini book tour that she had, she also uh, was on a lot of TV interviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had an interview with Stephen Colbert. She had an interview on Good Morning America. She had an interview on Morning Joe on MSNBC. Uh, I believe she had an interview on CNN. So she was all over uh, the TV this past week on cable and network news. 
Uh, thoughts on Kamala Harris? Uh, I like her. You like her? That's it. That's it? <laughs> um, I like her. Uh, she seems to be very... She seems to be a thorn in a Trump side. Definitely. A I very definitely, vocal critic. It's Yes, she definitely is a very vocal critic of Trump and the administration, which is wonderful. She's very strong on uh, defending immigrants. Uh, she was one of the senators last year who... Refu- she was the first senator, actually, who said that she would not vote for any funding bill if it did not include a DREAM Act. Really? The first one? The first one. uh, It sparked a movement of a few dozen uh, Democratic senators who refused to vote for the spending bill without a DREAM Act, um, including much more moderate um, Dianne Feinstein, who serves with her from California, obviously. Um, So, lots of influence. Uh, I feel like uh, great younger I say younger because it's <laughs> politics Everything she's like 55. Um, but great younger um, face, newer face. Um, she's often been considered a, quote, rising star in the Democratic Party. But I'm sure if you look hard enough, you could find an article about any Democratic politician being a rising star <laughs> in the Democratic Party. Everyone's because... a rising star until they go into obsolescence. Exactly. Media way overuses that term. And so she's looking pretty good. I think she's going to do very well. Um, she has a really good message, lots of enthusiasm around her, um, and we'll just, we'll have to wait and see in a week or two what, um, her whole, um, policy is going to be, her positions, how she's going to handle this campaign, because, again, she hasn't officially announced anything yet. Uh, coming up next week, Diane Feinstein, at the ripe young age of 85, is announcing her bid for presidency. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, at least I hope not. Please, God, no. <laughs> Um, <laughs> some people who didn't talk about Joe Biden, Why? disgusting. Why? Better or work, disgusting. Um, anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Anyway, I hate Joe Biden because he's not progressive. He's like 87 years old. Um, and he's done questionable things in the past. He voted for the Iraq war. He did not handle the need to hill trials. Well, uh, he's been the subject of criticism among the me too movement and, uh, he would not be a good look for the Democratic Party in 2020. I mean, yeah. But Obama and him's friendship. <laughs> yeah, he should stay that way because people want to remember him as the cool vice president, not as... Well, he's a cooler vice way. president than we have now. He just looks like a scarecrow in a field. Yeah, true. A homophobic scarecrow in the field. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's the only scare- scarecrow in the field because one more he doesn't thing. want to be too close with other female scarecrows. Yeah, true. Time for our last segment of the night that I like to call... Um, this week in Fox News. So basically, we're going to find a headline from Fox News and just give us give you our predictions for next week. Exactly. So we all know Fox News is notorious for its outrageous, like, cryons down on the bottom of the screen. But little did you know, this actually um, expands to their journalistic uh, headlines online, too. If you and couldn't see, uh, Zach was doing air quotes with his uh, fingers. Yeah, because we all know Fox News is not real journalists. It's just yes. conspiracy theories. It's pretty bad. <laughs> so anyway, last week on Fox News... Purdue University style guide hates men. Yeah, so if you missed if you missed this, Tucker Carlson talked about how the Purdue University style guide, like, you know, suggesting how you should write your papers, is like, don't use words that are gender specific and you instead use words that are inclusive. So like yeah. instead of saying congressman, use representative. And instead of saying mailman, use mail carrier. So like I didn't simple know stuff that, like uh, that. I didn't know that grammar were just like not specifying a gender was somehow forwarding agenda but according to tucker carlson everything is forwarding some agenda exactly except for him 
He's fair and balanced. He is fair and balanced. I think exactly. if you put him on a scale, he would weigh exactly 100 pounds. Probably. Yeah, he probably is exactly six feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. So Tucker Carlson got really upset about this. He brought on this like fake feminist author <laughs> to try to defend this. Like seriously, it was this fake feminist author. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that was last week on Fox News. Next week on Fox News, House Democrats mulling plan to force universities to accept only women. Yep, you heard it here first, folks. First, it was Purdue not letting you say the word man. Now, now it's men not even be able to. So last headline of the week, last week on Fox News. Woman whose husband is furloughed by the government shutdown wins the lottery. Yeah, so apparently she won the lottery and her husband works for the government. Good for her. Good for her. A coincidence, I guess, but Fox News made a big deal out of it. So, you know, next week on Fox News, the headline's going to be... Tucker Carlson tells federal government employees to buy winning lottery tickets to make ends meet. That's right. Just choose the winning ones. I don't see why it's so hard. I mean, I won the lottery at birth. Exactly. Tucker Carlson, he did. That's very true. Um, So... Tucker Carlson thinks that, you know, you just buy the winning lottery tickets. Um, sounds reasonable. Yeah. Sounds reasonable. It's I been... Mean, he, he can just buy enough that eventually he just wins. Yeah. Exactly. It's been almost a month, and so you got a desperate times call for desperate measures, so that would be watching Fox News. That's a pretty desperate measure. So thank you all for listening today, and thank you to Ming for being here talking to me this week. Thanks for having me. It was uh, great to get to know you, get to know the issues and i uh, we hope to see you all again soon and all government employees furloughed by the shutdown uh please choose winning lottery numbers remember yep make sure they're the right ones good night good night